Hello and welcome to Poles, PF and Prosecco, the podcast in which we address your training and equine lifestyle dilemmas. I'm Katie Gilmore and joining me as always is Grand Prix dressage rider, trainer, pole work specialist and now we are very proud to say published author, Tanya <laughs> Grantham of Inspire Dressage. In this episode, we'll be tackling your training and equestrian lifestyle questions, and we'll be sipping another drink that isn't Prosecco as we put the equestrian world to rights. As always, if you have a question for us, please do email us at polesandprosecco at yahoo.com. So, we've gone off piste. You say we, you've gone (laughs) off piste, you bought it. (laughs) However, I'm not mad. (laughs) I'm a bit can curious. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> it will make sense shortly when I explain to our listeners I, what I, it is. A friend of mine is, is very big on gin in a tin. Ah, yes. And I'm not a big gin drinker. Um, but I, I went to have a look at Proseccos that we could look at and, and taste today. And I just, this caught my eye and I was just a bit curious about it. And I thought, do you know what? I think we should give this a try. I think it caught your eye because it's pink. I do like pink. <laughs> With a gold label. <laughs> I, I do like a gold label. I, I like a bit of fancy packaging. So go on, reveal. So this is MS Finest Pink Passion Star Martini Cocktail. Note the twist Ooh. on the uh, standard. With raspberries, passion fruit juice and vanilla flavouring. Now, obviously, it's in a can. There's mm. no cork to pop and you know how much we like that noise. Okay. So, right, let's see what this noise this makes. Shall I shake it up first? No! <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Oh, a little disappointing compared to the pop of a bottle, no? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. We're going back to Prosecco next episode. Okay. No more off-piste for you. No, I don't think I should be allowed to make decisions like this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a good colour, though. It is very pink. It's a good colour. The thing is, if you're drinking it out of the can, you can't see it's pink. No, which is a shame, Mm. actually, because it's a nice colour. It's got a nice little bit of fizz on it. It does give you a bit of a top, like a, a cocktail would. It actually smells amazing. It does smell amazing. That would be like a great candle. It would be. <laughs> okay, on this episode, we're drinking candles. It's a really middle-aged comment, isn't it? It'd be a lovely candle. Like. <laughs> right, let's taste. Yeah. Right, cheers. Cheers. That was, that was a much better noise. <laughs> that tastes like pop. That is very sweet. It's very nice, but I feel like my teeth might need fillings afterwards. Yeah, I mean... It's not the best cocktail I've ever had, I'm not going to lie. It's interesting. Yeah. I think that could be dangerous because it almost doesn't take taste alcoholic. It doesn't alcoholic. taste alcoholic at all. There's a lot of vanilla in that. Do you know what it tastes like? Those um, drumstick sweets. It does. The raspberry and vanilla. Yes. The ones yes. that stick your teeth together. They do. <laughs> yeah. I- I'm not going to say that's a hit. No, I think that might be our first our first miss. Oh, what a shame. Right, I'm going to self-appoint to be in charge of Prosecco for next episode. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, listen, we've heard about all three of your horses individually. In fact, we've done Norman twice. That's because he's your favourite. There is that, absolutely. <laughs> How are they all? They're good. They're really good. Yeah, they've been working away at home. We've been enjoying the delightful, rainy weather that oh, changes what, its mind every 10 seconds what a start to the winter the fields are waterlogged mm-hmm. everywhere is waterlogged i'm waterlogged someone told me this morning apparently we're in for the wettest december and i just was like i don't want to know no i don't want to hear it <laughs> I, I, I don't think i can cope with that at the moment I'm, I'm actually not ready for winter at the best of times no but for a rainy winter 
really not ready at all. No, there's something lovely about crisp, frosty mornings mm. when it's like bright sunshine and you can wrap up warm oh. and it's lovely. I can do the minus temperatures with mm-hmm. the blue skies and the sunshine. Yeah. That's fine. I can fill my boots on those. But this incessant rain and the darkness and the greyness is a massive no. So basically we need to not live in England <laughs> and not let you be in charge of drinks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a trend <laughs> developing. <laughs> but yes, I'm not ready for it. What are your plans over the winter with the horses? Because it is the hardest time. You don't have an indoor. No. I don't have an indoor. No. Um, so with Sam, he will just keep ticking. I'm not going to make him compete over the winter. I've done that with him. Mm. There was a time when he had to just keep going out and competing and learn to work in all weathers. Um, he's actually he's actually really good in the rain. He doesn't like the wind. The right. wind he gets quite quite mm. feisty in. Um, so I still work him, but you know I pick and choose my days. I'm not going to lie. The other day it was horrendously raining, and I did lunch them all. I just thought, you know what? I've got to be out all afternoon teaching. I'm actually not going to get drenched this morning. No. It fit in with their routine fine to have a lunch day. You know they worked some. Sam worked on a stretchy day. The other two were on like a proper work day, so I worked them quite hard. Did lots of transitions. Did some pull work on the lunge. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't apologise for. Sometimes putting me first and saying, actually, no. I'm not going to get drowned today. Um, I, I tend to ride the boys in the morning and then go and teach and ride other people's horses in the afternoons. And, I mean, this morning I was on my third jacket by 10am. That's no fun. And you just think, sometimes you just think, do you know what? Just have a breather. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. Take a breather. Absolutely Take is. 10 minutes, have a coffee, stay warm and dry. It's, and then It is going to be a long winter, by yeah. all accounts. Yeah. And it's better to take it and pace it yeah. and... Make so it easy. Igloo is going to carry on doing a little bit of competing. He um, he's been competing PSG this year, which is on the edge of his comfort zone. I said before he finds the pirouettes quite hard. He's a very large horse. Um, I was meant to do the regionals last winter regionals, which were actually February of this year, um, at Advanced Medium Freestyle, and I designed a new floor plan and edited new music for it. I edited it with Kelly, who's Michelle's daughter. We do it ourselves. Um, and he, of course, horses being horses, managed to knock himself, thankfully nothing serious, but obviously was on a walking week for the week of regionals. And so I decided actually I'd just go back out and do an advanced medium freestyle and try and qualify for next year's regionals. And it was really nice taking a step back. It felt really easy. I don't think it was a particularly, it was it wasn't a perfect test, there are a few mistakes. The floor plan's quite technical, I show off the stuff he's good at. And he came out with 72% Amazing. after, you know, what felt like a really easy day out. Lovely. Um, so it was really nice to take the pressure off but still go and compete. So to qualify for the regionals, you need two scores over the qualifying percentage. So I'm going to go and do another freestyle in a couple of weeks' time. Fabulous. Try and qualify. And then um, I might take him out and do a PSG, but more as sort of to check where I'm at with my training mm-hmm. um, and keep an eye on things. Norman, I've decided I'm actually not going to compete over the winter. Having done a bit more work with him, decided that he's probably not that competitive at novice. He doesn't have huge paces. Um, he's not sort of a big floaty horse. I'm obviously in gold section for everything, which is a little tricky. Um, so actually going to train over the winter. I will do lots of outings. So I'll take him out to arena hires, like I was talking about in the last episode. I'll take him out schooling, riding with friends, with other horses, get him used to that. And then probably try and compete again in this next year 
probably it will be spring summer when he's ready for elementary mm. the elementary tests are very very transition happy and they're quite twisty turny so it doesn't suit some horses but it does others and for him he's quite small he's quite compact all the things you love about him yeah. um, and actually the transitions and the small circles really help with him so i think i'll probably take him back out when he's ready for elementary sounds That's like a plan, plan. Don't forget, you can follow Tanya's journey with her horses by following her on Facebook at at Inspire Dressage Official or on Instagram by following at Inspire underscore Dressage. Before we leap into this episode's questions, I just want to talk a bit about our future special guests. Mm. Because I really do think, actually, they're quite exciting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I think we've, we've kind of hit the nail on the head about a couple of things that are happening within the equestrian industry. Um, and it's not all about speaking to pro riders. No, there are all. other elements to it. So we've got Katie Lawrence coming up, yes. who we know is a social media guru and works <laughs> with professionals and with amateurs. Um, so she also has a social media challenge coming up in January, which we won't we won't reveal now. We'll do that when we speak to Katie. Yes, we'll let Katie reveal it. But it's it. very very exciting. So I just want to make sure that is on on everyone's radar and to send us in some questions for Katie because I think that she's quite an exciting guest and she's got a lot to bring to the table about how you become an influencer. And it's not just for pros, it's for... I don't know, your average eight-year-old with a pony or... Absolutely. I mean, Katie herself is an, is an amateur rider, in inverted commas. She has never earned a living from working with horses. She was actually um, an engineer for um, motor racing teams. That's amazing. I know, it's a really cool, really cool job. It's a really cool job in a very male-dominated world. She worked for world. McLaren for years and amazing. I think it's incredibly cool to be a female in such, a, Absolutely. such an industry. And she still does a bit of that part-time. She goes off globetrotting, doing bits and pieces. But she, I mean, she'll tell you more, but she set up her company, which is called Riviera PR, after, named after her horse. Fabulous. Yep, who is Riviera, um, or River at home. And she set it up because she found that she was successfully getting sponsors for herself as an amateur rider, albeit doing it seriously. She's had River since, her, I can't remember if it's a three-year-old or a four-year-old, and she's now competing small tour on her. Um, so, you know, very successfully competing, but she is an amateur. Mm. And she found she was able to attract sponsors and from that decided to set up the company. Um, so I've been working with her two or three years now. I first met her when we were competing at okay. the same shows. Amazing. Competing. Mm. I think I was probably doing maybe medium advanced medium on Sam and she was doing novice on River. Um, and we kind of got chatting. And then when I decided I needed some help with my PR and a bit of guidance um i went to her and she's been instrumental in helping me not only gain new sponsors but maintain really good relationships with current sponsors because it's all well and good going out and getting new sponsors but to stay with people you yes. have you have to give something back mm. you know it's not just oh i like your stuff can you give it to me you have to offer them something and you know that's something she can tell us all about and from an amateur point of view if you've got you know a, a, a cute pony even if all you're getting is a couple of bags of pony nuts, yeah. every little helps. Generally, it's products and services. Until mm. you're, you know, at a really high level, like Charlotte Dujardin-type level, you're not really going to get paid to do it. Absolutely. But, you know, products and services, I mean, we all use a lot of stuff. And Our you, horses and have much not, better stuff than we do, generally. You're getting it free <laughs> rather than paying for it. That's exactly. the bottom line. Exactly. So... Questions for Katie, please, if you are keen to become an influencer or to gain sponsorship for yourself and your horse. Uh, our guest in the new year um, is also very exciting because we know that we are we're within a sport 
where mental health is poor. Mm-hmm. It's also pegged to performance at the end yeah. of the day, as, as it is with all sports. So tell us about our mindset coach that's going to come and see us. Well, yeah, just going back slightly to our sport, we do a sport where we pay people to judge us. Very good point. There is. It's no wonder that, you know, there are mental health issues related yes. to it. Whether you're a pro and you feel the pressure of owners and sponsors and everything else, whether you're an amateur, you pour your heart and soul into it. We all ride because we love it. Yes, and so, we love our horses. And it can be really disheartening when mm. you feel like you've done your best and it's not recognised. So it is really important to be aware of and be able to monitor your own mindset. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's something that I don't know that much about. I know how I work and how I myself tick, but I've not really had much help with it. So I'm really excited that we've got Jenny Winterleach coming in to talk to us. Mm. She is a um, very experienced mindset coach. She has her own podcast all about it as well. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be picking her brains with questions as much as uh, our listeners are. (laughs) So again, any mindset questions, how you can improve your own competition record with the power of the mind, or even, I I guess, coping with an equestrian lifestyle and and other liveries on a yard even. I'm guessing that she can help with the mindset on things like that as well. Our email address is polesandprosecco at yahoo.com. And we would absolutely love your questions for both Katie and Jenny. Right, we're at that point where it's time to answer some listener questions. Excellent. You have plenty of uh, very drumstick sweet... Drumstick squashies. <laughs> liquid alcoholic drumstick squashies there. <laughs> um, this is quite a long question, and there, there's quite a lot to unpick here. Okay. Emma Trace got in touch, and she said that she has a youngster, and she's always found the right rein difficult, but now she's struggling to get the right lead in canter. She says that when she does get the right lead, she can't feel it because it feels horrible and as though all of the impulsion has been sucked out, but the wrong lead feels nice. Her instructor has ridden the horse with the same result. They've tried a pole, they've tried taking her stirrups away in case it's her balance, and her instructor is now suggesting a lunge lesson. Wow. Okay. So I get that horses are one-sided. Okay, so they're all going to have an easier, in inverted commas, and a harder rein. You know, when you watch them as babies in the field, they will generally tend to canter on one lead preferentially. Yes. Most of them will pootle around doing delightful flying changes, and of course when you go to Arsenal it doesn't happen, but they will probably choose one lead of canter. It's really normal that when you're backing a youngster that one canter lead is easier than the other. Obviously the problem comes, and the problem she's suffering from, is when it's... Um, exacerbated in that the horse hasn't then learnt how to canter on the correct lead for the right rein. Um, By the sounds of it, it feels horrible simply because the horse isn't strong in those muscles. Mm -hmm. So already she said that she finds it hard to tell when it's the correct lead because it doesn't feel nice. Well, then if it doesn't feel nice, it's the correct lead. And if it feels nice, it's not. So you can tell if it's the correct lead. It might not feel how you want it to feel. Sure. But you've already said in that question, Emma, that there is a difference where you can feel. You need to learn almost like to recalibrate mm-hmm. how you think about that feel. Um, I The first thing I would do is to pop the horse on the lunge. Take the rider out of the equation. Okay. Whether it's you, the trainer, Charlotte Dujardin, anybody, take the rider out of the equation. Can the horse physically canter? on the right lead on the lunge does it go complete on the left lead does it strike off and go disunited they can all 
point to different various things a lot of it like physical issues could just be down to strength but obviously you need to go down the physio vet saddler etc make sure everything is comfortable now i'm going to assume that you've done all that and that you've checked that there are no veterinary issues physio issues etc and it is just a training and learning issue with the horse then it's about thinking a bit outside the box it sounds like you've done all the normal things you've done riding without stirrups your trainer's ridden who is obviously going to be a more skilled rider than you you've probably asked in all the normal places on a right-handed circle in a corner and it's still not working so at some point you have to kind of almost trick the horse into finding the right lead canter Mm -hmm. so i had it with a horse before where i actually came on the left rein i rode a loop to the center line and then turned to the right and picked up the right canter on like a 10-metre circle heading back towards the track and then continued on the right rein. Because if you're on the right rein constantly, I get the bend, get the bend, get the bend, it was just the horse was just setting against it. Yes. Whereas coming from the loop, almost as I changed the bend, I cantered and the horse wasn't aware it was going to happen, so didn't have time to set against it. Mm. Um, often lateral work and leg yield can help. The canter's a lateral pace, it's one-sided. Yes. So if you can supple the horse laterally before cantering, so something like maybe a turn on the centre, so if you're on the left rein, turn on the centre line, leg yield left of the track, when you hit the track, turn onto a right-handed circle into right lead canter. If you've tried a single pole and that hasn't worked, you could try a triangle and think of trot over the first pole, canter over the second. I mean, there's... A million and one different things to try. Yeah. But the point is to try and try something that's a little bit different and a bit outside the box. Yeah. And it might be a case of trying on the lunge with the poles, with different poles, with the raised poles. To strike off into canter, they push off with their outside hind leg. So you have to get the outside hind to lift to push off. So if you raise the pole on the outside, that should help you to strike off into the canter because you're lifting the outside hind leg higher into it. So you can play around with all sorts of different things like that. There will be something that clicks. Once you've found that thing that clicks, that is your safe exercise. So then you repeatedly do your safe exercise, line, pole, whatever it is. Once that's established, you then go off and you try it in different places. It might work. It might not work. But it's repetition, At the point it it doesn't work, you go back to your safe exercise. So you need to find that thing that you go back to. It's a bit like when you teach flying changes. You teach them on a line that works for that horse, whether it's two half tens or a serpentine or a half turn return, and that becomes your safe line. Then when you start putting them in different places and they get muddled, you can always go back to your original line that they know the answer on. Yes. I'd be interested to know what happens if they're out hacking. Yeah, absolutely. And they're in a straight line. Yeah, you know, will, will the horse canter on the right lead on a straight line out hacking without any interference? And and if you're cantering out, are you out the stirrups? Does that make a difference? Yeah, all sorts all of, of different things. All of those things, things would, would be interesting. Yeah. And I guess once you can get that right lead, even if it doesn't feel so nice, repetition, build that side up, go for the strength. Maybe as well, um, trying, having a different rider on because your instructor will also have preconceptions about it because she's worked with you and she's obviously really wants to help you and get it right. But sometimes, you know what it's like, when you ride your own horse, you go, oh, well, yesterday they did this and last week they tripped over and then they didn't eat their dinner the other day and, you know, you have all these things in your head. Whereas you get on a friend's horse, you ask it to canter and it canters because you're like, just get on with it. You know, you don't have the preconceptions. Exactly that. So sometimes having a completely fresh pair of eyes or seat and legs yes well, it might also just help and someone might just feel something a bit different absolutely 
Grass to Grassroots on Instagram says, my four-year-old doesn't struggle with poles, but he keeps his head up like a llama. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I'm training the wrong muscles. How can I persuade him to work in a better frame? I mean, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, I have done many a test in passaging llama frame on Sam when he was four <laughs> and five. <laughs> um, uh, yes, how can you... I think... Can you work him in the correct frame without the poles? Would be my first question. Yeah. And what are you doing to achieve? I'm going to assume you can. Therefore, what are you doing with your aiding to persuade him to maintain the correct frame without the poles? Is it asking him to flex to the inside with your inside contact? Is it a bit more inside leg? Is it getting the outside brain half halt? Whatever it is, make sure you are still doing that over poles. Riders have a real tendency to hesitate and stop riding. They either want to slightly give because they've got jumping in their head and they want to soften and, you know, try and do the right thing, but in doing so, they're not aiding the horse anymore. Mm -hmm. Or they go a little bit frozen and yes. a bit dead. And the moment you're not giving that aiding, your horse then goes, oh, where have you gone? And looks up and does the llama impression. So first of all, really try and, like, pinpoint what it is you're doing normally to get them working in the correct frame. The other thing you could also try doing is try doing it on the lunge. You know, what do you lunge them in? Do you use side reins? Do you long line? Whatever it is that you use, if they work nicely on the lunge, try putting the poles on the lunge, see if they can work out the answer for themselves. Yes. And again, normally, once they've discovered it, they kind of go, oh, I yeah. can say so. Yeah. Easy, of course I can do it. <laughs> but it's just finding that kind of light bulb moment. Absolutely. Uh, Sharon asks, we talk a lot about training horses and their fitness, but what do you do to be fit enough to ride and how do you fit it in? Oh, God, absolutely. Um, well, I do a lot of riding, which helps. The thing with, with muscles for riding and riding fitness is you cannot train everything through any other sport. It's such a unique combination. That's absolutely true. So you the, have to train yeah. elements. You, you can do hours in a gym, but you won't get riding it's not, fitness from It's not it. the exact same thing. No. So genuinely hours in the saddle help, but I appreciate that's not possible for everybody. Mm. Um, I try to run a bit. Um, it's easier in the summer when it's light in the evenings. Not going to lie, haven't been for a run for a while in this weather. Um, <laughs> I also really enjoy boxing. I go to a boxing class once a week. For me... I mean, it's a great, like, let out of pent-up energy and everything else. I really enjoy it because it's a, it, it sounds weird, but it's really similar to riding. It's technique-based. It's about, you have to use your core, and it's about allowing the movement to flow through your body, not trying to hit hard. It's also very good for your mental fitness. Yeah. Because especially if you're in a class where you have to follow a sequence of, of well, they're not really punches because you're not really punching anyone, but, you know, you've got to go... Oh, no, no, I, do, I don't do boxercise, I do boxing. Oh, 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 Lord. So we do have set moves we follow and we're working with a padder, so we are punching. Best so be careful was... about how much Prosecco we give you in case, <laughs> just in case you get a bit fighty. No buying any more of this sweet nonsense. or real Prosecco <laughs> next time. Um, but... And also for me, I mean, I get bored in a gym. Mm. I hate working out inside. I'd actually rather be in the rain. Right. Um, I'm used to, I'm by myself, I go on the machine and I do a few and I'm that done, that done like that, next bit, next bit. I know I need shouting out. Weirdly, riding is the only thing I push myself as hard at without a trainer there. That's because you love it. Yeah. But boxing, because I'm focused on the technique, mm. so only when I stop, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I am 
dying here. It's really hard work because rather than just going do 10 burpees and it's quite hard, boxing, you're so focused on what you're doing and reacting and doing it and moving in the moment. And although you know roughly the sequence you're going to follow, it is that think on the spot thing, which again is a bit similar to riding. You can plan as much as you want, but you've got to react to that horse at the end of the day. Absolutely. So for me, that really works. And I think because I enjoy it, I make time for it. I think that is the key thing, isn't it? It's doing things you enjoy because then you will make time. Yeah. I know from my point of view, you know, I, I've got four children, horses, the full Monty. Yeah. But I enjoy running clinics. So I make the time to market them. I make yeah. the time to get the clinicians. I make the time to run the clinics. Yeah. If I didn't enjoy that, they wouldn't happen. No, of course. So even if it's going for a walk with a friend, mm. you know, don't sit in a coffee shop. Go for a walk with your coffee. Yes. Then you're doing something. You're, 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 you know, work on your physical fitness all the time when you're doing things. And again, with riding, there's a mental fitness. Yeah. And that's where having our mindset coach, having Jenny come in to talk to us in, in a couple of episodes' time or a few episodes' time, I hope will help answer this question too. Yeah, I'd be really interested to ask ask her this question and see what her answer would be I and whether think there's so. mental exercises we can do as well. I mean, there must be like like racing drivers do exercises to work on their reaction time, they don't do. they, and things yeah. like that. So there must be stuff we can do. My PT does, uh, and and another uh, he's another guest that I think we should come in. He works with a lot of riders. As long as I don't have to do any exercises, he probably with him. will make you do. <laughs> <laughs> he he has um, a series of pads that light up mm-hmm. in different colours, mm-hmm. and you have to be really quick to step on that pad, and uh, and they change all the time. But it does increase your your focus. Um, it's like pole work; it works in your proprioception it, and coordination. Absolutely, and he does he does horrible things with me. Like he makes me do sit ups while he's holding out different coloured cones, and I have to say what the colour is. And then he'll say, "Right, black's now orange," and every time he holds a black cone, I have to say it's orange. Oh, God. And Honestly, it's amazing for your brain. It's real brain training, but it's also really hard. But I guess as well, it's like I was saying about focusing on technique in the boxing. You're then focusing on trying to get the cone colours right. And suddenly you've been doing sit-ups for God knows how long. But you still have to keep your technique in the sit-up because your breathing in a sit-up has to be right or you don't actually do any good to to the muscle. Well, also, you can't talk to answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. Yes, God bless my PT. Oh, God, I'm not looking forward to the episode when he comes in. I feel like I'm going to be planking or doing sit-ups or something for the entire episode. (laughs) Do you know, he once had me planking and he does it with a timer. And I was like, my time yet? And he went, oh, I forgot to set the timer. Let's start now. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Me. I had it. um, That's what The guy who I box with, we do do a bit of of core work and stuff. Yeah. We're planking and he um, he quite often puts a 10K weight plate on my back when I'm planking. (gasps) And I was there and I was like, um... I'm done. Hello. Can someone, hello. Can someone remove it, please? I don't want to go splat on the floor. Oh, no. Oh, dear. No, no. Yeah. We don't like that. <laughs> uh, okay. Fail of the week? Fail of the week. So, <laughs> this is not quite as dramatic as some of the ones I've talked about, but I feel like this has happened to a lot of people. <laughs> the face you just made finishing that. <laughs> that uh, wannabe porn star martini <laughs> um so igloo has been a little bit of a diet recently he is similar to me he sees food and uh, the weight goes on so he's he was on an exercise i think we all diet. have that problem yeah i think it's called middle age isn't it <laughs> I, think, I think you hit 40 and it's the end of your oh, being able to no. eat everything um so he is having soaked hay at the moment we're weighing it and soaking it and um his night hay net's obviously quite quite large because he's a large, you know, what trickle feed overnight, etc. So I was doing that thing. You know what it's like? You put the the string through the ring and you lean back to pull the hay net. You up. fell over, didn't you? I didn't fall over. 
the string broke. Oh, no. And I went flying. I bet you did. Luckily, the boys have gloriously big straw beds. <laughs> so I was like... <laughs> My fall was cushioned, but I so wish someone had it on camera. It was honestly like a comedy sketch. I was just lying like a starfish in the straw. <laughs> Laughing, With I the hay net on the floor, slightly bewildered as to what <laughs> And was he just looking around at you going, what are you doing down there? Thankfully, he wasn't in the stable. <laughs> that could have been quite dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Tip of the week, check your hay net <laughs> string. Something like that. Um... Tip of the week. So I wanted to focus on riders who struggle to sit, sitting trot. People always say to me, why can't I sit the trot? I'm trying to sit still. Well, your horse isn't still, is it? Their back's moving. Next time you're doing sitting trot, don't try and sit still. Try and bounce with the horse. Focus on moving with the horse. Focus on the fact that when the horse is moving, their back is moving in three different planes. It moves vertically. It moves horizontally. So I think of it like a wave. It bounces up and forward, like a leapfrog motion. There's a slight lateral motion because they're obviously working in diagonal pairs. Mm -hmm. So one hip will move slightly than the other one. But actually embrace the bounce, go with it. And you should find that actually you can then sit better. And make sure you've got a good bra on. Sports bras. Yeah, that's the next sponsor we need. Yeah, we do need sports. <laughs> getting the right sports bra. We'll get Katie bra. on board for that one. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> getting the right sports bra if you're going to do lots of sitting trot is actually essential. Absolutely. I think. Our email address, if you have a training or equestrian lifestyle question, is polesandprosecco at yahoo.com. As we said earlier, very soon we'll be welcoming the brilliant Katie Lawrence to the Poles PF and Prosecco party. Katie is an equestrian PR and sponsorship expert. She's a social media genius and works with an array of professionals and amateurs. So if you want to become the next This Esme or help your horse hit the headlines, Katie is the woman with the answers. We will also have our mindset coach, Jenny, coming in very soon too. So if you have a mindset question, please do email us that too to polesandprosecco at yahoo.com. As always, we would love to hear who else you would like us to invite to share a glass of Prosecco with. And we're keen to hear your training and equine lifestyle questions. Our inbox is always open. The address again is polesandprosecco at yahoo.com. You can keep up to date with Tanya's social media by following Inspire Dressage Official on Facebook and Inspire underscore Dressage on Instagram. Tanya's book, The Pole Work Journal, is available for $19.99 at horseandrideruk.com slash shop. And I cannot recommend it enough as the perfect stocking filler. If you're visiting the London International Horse Show at Excel this year on Thursday the 14th of December, make sure you head over to the Horse and Rider Stand where you can meet Tanya and get a signed copy of her book, The Pole Work Journal. Enjoy your shopping, but until next time, bye-bye.